The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. far you are tuned in to the 3CR gardening show for another rainy but beautiful Sunday morning. Hi everyone my name is Chloe Foster and I'm very pleased to have with me this morning Craig Wilson of Gentiana Nursery and Kevin Parker from the Greenery Nursery. It's a nursery morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a what a what a rainy morning we've all come into. I think winter's hit. Well, you know, you never complain about rain in Australia. No way. Yeah. It's, I really noticed it, uh, you know, the latter part of summer really dried out. Yeah. And the soil just dried out with it. It doesn't take long for the yeah. soil to dry no, out. No, That didn't really happen with us, but... Yeah. 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 It was... Yeah. It, we had such a wet start yeah. to summer and 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 the end of spring last year but then it really dried out quickly and i thought are we going to go into a period of very you know have a really dry autumn and a dry winter but and everything everything was late flowering this year wasn't it like crepe myrtles so uh, normally by now we're pruning crepe myrtles and the leaves are falling but they've still got green leaves on them so Mm -hmm. been a very extended season very extended season Mm. and and difficult to get material to propagate at the right time yes yeah all the growth was late Mm. yeah yeah Yeah, it's uh anyway yeah i'll take this rain yeah absolutely (laughs) always always take the rain yeah oh all right um you are listening to the 3cr gardening show we've got lots of plants in with us this morning shall we craig you've brought in a really interesting tray i'm i'm quite keen to get to them Oh, the, um, Let's start. Just before we start, la- yeah. last time I was on, I was talking about cutting down big dead tree ferns and how to go about it. Um, and I, I had a concern about the chainsaw and what the tree fern fibre was going to do to it. Mm. Um, so this, I tackled it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the chainsaw cut through them like butter, soft butter. Straight through. So but, were you worried that the fibres were going to get caught up? That's right. I just didn't know what it was going to do to the chainsaw and whether it was going to um, destroy the chain or, you know, mm, because mm. This is quite a different substance than wood. Mm. But what astonished me was the amount of water in them. Ah. Inside. Inside in, the trunks. Inside, yes, so I'm talking yeah, about, yeah. you know, three and a half, four metre trunks. They're not, not baby tree ferns. You know, they were, what, 
more more than half a metre through. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of those fibres on the outside absorb a lot of moisture. Yeah. Even though they're very dry, they absorb moisture and they probably take it inside the trunk itself. That's right. right. Mm. Yeah. And the fibres are bad for... When you're breathing, aren't they? They're yeah. <laughs> well, they were wet, so there wasn't too oh, much dust to like yeah, yeah. 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 But I'm very happy now. I've got lots of tree fern trunks so, to use. Yeah, good. Yeah. Mm. Was there water sitting – was it sort of sitting in the centre of the in trunk? In the centre of the trunk, and it just poured out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We were pruning the tree dahlia at campus a couple of years ago, mm. and we like had students for pruning classes cutting through – the stems and then they get to a certain point and they get into the centre of it and water just started splashing everywhere and they're like, oh, what's that? Where's that water coming from? Mm, yeah. And the water was sitting in, like the, the stem was hollow yeah, and the water was sitting, the water was sitting at the base of every node. Right. How, that's extraordinary, isn't yeah. it? How it would get in there. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It, full of water. I mean, they're really, um, they're sort of, they're, well, they're herba- herbaceous perennials, and yeah. they cu- but they do die back, and then they come back up. So they're very soft mm. and very obviously very juicy. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, the water wasn't sitting in the plant cells around the stem. There was obviously a lot in those cells as well. But yeah, they were sitting in. It was like cutting through a bamboo shoot. That, that must be a mechanism for dry, wasn't it, for the plant? It must be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sort of backup water source. It would yeah. keep the plant cooler as well. Yeah. 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 It was really interesting. Yeah. Students, yeah, were sort of blowing their minds. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have expected that from tree ferns as well, or a similar well, these were amount dead of moisture. Ones, so it, it may, it may be that they, the, the centre was sort Just of absorbed. soft and spongy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But oh, it, was so it was the volume of it. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, so how long had they been dead for the ones you were cutting up? Um, 15 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, you just got yeah, around well, to doing it. Well, and truly did. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, have, I wanted to get the trunks for Virginia so she can grow her orchids in them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She'll be very thankful. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, she's off cuddling reptiles at the moment. Yeah, I know. What a life. <laughs> yeah. What a life. All right, what are some of these plants that you've brought in? Another thing. Yes. Horticultural pumice. Yeah, which is is a hard product to find and a a fantastic product to use in your potting mixes. Um, I used to get it from New Zealand, but the company that imports it wouldn't respond to my calls or emails or anything. So eventually, I found a place in Sydney that's importing it from China, which is you know probably not ideal, but it's a really good product. And what do you want to use it for? Initially, for my bonsai. Yeah. Because I've always been looking for something to replicate Akadama, which is what the Japanese use, which was a mined clay. Um, and what did they use the clay for? In as a, just a growing substrate? as a substrate. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it's 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 porous and it's light and it's um, holds moisture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and drains. So I used to use crushed granite. Mm. Which yeah. was heavy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, not really, yeah, it's not for an older man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I found diatomite, which is what is in, well, a, a variation of it is used in kitty litter. Yeah. So it's absorbent and, and it also s- it's used for chemical spills. Okay. 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 Is yeah. it similar to diametaceous earth? Yes, like in that's the same right. 
yeah, family. That's yeah, it. okay. And I was using that for years, and it was fine. And then I bought one batch and and, and repotted all my trees at the end of spring. And then in December, I noticed the diatomite starting to break down. Oh. And within a few weeks, it was just solid clay. Mm. So I had to do all the repotting again in summer. Um, and apparently they'd moved the mining operation from one side of the mine to the other. So different material. Different material. Wow. Yeah. So then I found pumice, and I think pumice is the answer because it's light and it's porous and it doesn't break down. So so with the bonsai mixes that you use, would you mix? Would you grow the plants directly in that, or is it a bit of potting mix that's mixed in? Pine bark. Okay, pine yep. bark and pumice, mm-hmm. or, a, or some type of And no thing. fines. Okay. So it'd be very free draining. Very free draining, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lo- lots of water. Yeah. Yeah, and lots of feeding. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you'd have to put in, do you, you would liquid fertilise? Both. Quite regularly? Yeah. 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 Liquid yeah. fertilise weekly over the summer and autumn. Okay. The autumn is actually the big feeding season because that's when the trees are setting buds for next year's growth. Right. Yeah. What sort of liquid fertiliser do you use? Oh, a whole raft of them. Oh, so you mix it up? Well, I have a big drum. I usually, I mean, I use two drums of sea salt power feed a year. Yeah. Ten litre drums and yeah. then, I'll, you know, I'll tip in some Charlie Carp or whatever. Yeah. 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 Bit of a brew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the pumice extends beyond that because I know the alpine plant people really like it. Oh, yes, they would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it, nice it, rocky. That's right. And um, But I also use it on the begonia because mm. it dries out. Yeah. Whereas the traditional potting mixes, you can have difficulty getting them to dry out. So you want begonias to dry out? Oh, they love being bit? dry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if I'm repotting a tray of begonia, if there's one plant in the tray that's really healthy, it's bone dry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They do, actually, yeah, I have seen begonias looking poorly and like if they've been overwatered and they just seem to melt away. They just drop their leaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and um, if there's a sick plant in the tray, it's wet. Yeah. 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 I wonder if that's for all begonias. Is it a particular type? Well, I grow a whole raft of them. and yeah. They all, all like mm-hmm. being dry. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And actually, when you think about begonias, some of them have very fleshy leaves, don't they, mm. like? thicker leaves so it indicates yeah. that they probably hold a lot of moisture in the foliage and also mostly understory in the tropics <clears throat> so by the time the when it rains by the time it gets to the floor there wouldn't be a lot left would mm. there no no <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> mm. i've never seen a begonia in the wild before no i'd love to see it. i'd love to see it yeah. because you don't really see them oh, I'm, I'm used to seeing them in uh Pots, yeah. mm. hanging baskets, the really showy ones. Yeah. I'd, yeah, it'd be interesting to see some in the wild. Kinabalu is apparently the spot to see them. Where's that? Um, Sabah, Borneo. Okay. Ah, right. Yeah. Yeah. More, more things to see in Borneo. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, yeah, uh, that's on the bucket elephants. list. It yeah. is on the bucket list. Yeah. 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 Oh, goodness. So. The that substrate came from a Sydney supplier. Did you say? Yeah, Sydney supplier. Do they supply to the public? If anyone's looking for that, I do. You, so you can supply it. I have got a lot. Yeah, yeah I bought. Okay. I bought a pallet load of it. Oh, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've had the alpine plant people have been harassing me for a long time. Yeah. Excuse me. 
to to uh, <clears throat> to get some for them. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, the pumice. It's it. I don't I don't understand why it's not right through the horticultural industry. Don't get it, but they just probably haven't discovered it. I think it used to be used quite a number of years ago when um, a lot of nurseries were making up their own formulations and potting mixes and what yeah. have you. I, I remember um, really early on when there was no such thing as, you know, the bark-based potting mixes and the nurseries used to have the soil mixes and uh, <laughs> yeah. frowned upon these days. Yeah. But um, it was the only thing that was available. Yeah. And, of course, they used to add bits and pieces would be sand added to the, the soil and mm. yeah. some of the soils are more heavy than others, sandy-type sandy, sandy soils, and things like pumice were added back yeah. then, you know, just to improve drainage and what okay. have you. But uh, then it probably fell away a bit once the, the potting mix revolution the pine started. Bark, yeah. The pine bark, yeah. And uh, the demand fell away, and I guess that's probably why it's a bit hard to get. Yeah, and I've tried scoria. But mm. it holds too much moisture. Does it? Yeah. Right. Can't get it to dry out. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, if people want pumice. If anybody has a specialty plant that they're growing, I think it would probably be pretty good for succulents too. It would. Yeah, yeah. it looks like yeah. it. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's okay. get into a couple of these plants. We've got a lot on the table this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this one is really interesting. This a, a, a client bought this in for me many, many years ago. It's a scleranthus. Well, I was told it's a scleranthus, mm. and it's a gold-leafed form. Yeah. Yeah, scleranthus savioi, and I have never seen it anywhere else since. I mean, I've been growing it for years, but it never seems to have moved out into the industry. Mm. Yeah. Has it ever flowered for you? No. 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 And have you, um, have you got a couple in the garden? I've got it in the garden. Yeah. Yep. It's going fine. Yeah. That, that, like all of them, it needs water. Yeah. Pretty regularly. Mm. Yeah. But it hasn't grown. It hasn't flowered no. in the garden. No. Okay. And and the normal one does by flowers. Yeah, it does. It flowers every year. Yeah. yeah. But this one, not not so much. It may not be scleranthus. You might be right. It might be Sagina. Mm. Not sure. I, I was always uh, aware of a, there was a golden sagina, which, um, and it looks almost identical to scleranthus and grows yeah. the same way. I have the, the gold form of sagina. Oh, you do? I okay. do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, much harder. Yeah. And it looks. this looks like a sclerantus foliage, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. But yeah. it's just extraordinary that it's never moved out into the industry because I would have thought it would be popular. Mm. Yeah, the, the normal green scranthus is is very popular. Very I've, popular. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. People call it moss, which of course it's not. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Is it easy to propagate? I just split it. Yeah, piece yeah. of cake. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Piece of cake. That is surprising. Yeah. Because of the the, the color differentiation, oh, you'd think that landscapers would and designers yeah. would mm. love having that little gold blob. Yeah. 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 And they sort of grow up and over. If you've got it in a rockery situation, it grows up and around the rocks, doesn't it? That's yeah. right. That gives it that wavy, yeah. that's wavy sort of look in the garden. The advan- advanced scleranthus, when they've been in the garden for a while, do get a good mound on them. Does this yeah. one sort of get a good mound? Not so much. It's, it's much softer than the, okay. the scleranthus biflorus. Yeah. Biflorus, you need to put your foot on it every now and again and yeah, push it down. Do. Is, is that how you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't want them to mound up too much or they tend to lose contact with the soil and die out in the centre. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. yeah, that one stays nice and flat. The, the only disadvantage with these mat plants is that they're nice hosts for seeds. 
Yeah, weed seeds. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So they are not low maintenance plants. No, no. Yeah. no that's true. That's yeah. a really good point. Um, this is Cedrina. This is Cedrina boidii, which is is fantastic. Mm. Super slow, and and really dark green. Mm. Um, and again, it's, it's it, you would look. It looks like a scleranthus, but softer. Yeah. And darker and much slower. Are they related at all? Don't think so. I mm. don't think they are. No, no Sajina's no. northern yeah. hemisphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And almost looks like a moss, but you wouldn't. Yeah. And mosses, you tend to think of plants for shade, but these are sun-loving plants, aren't They're they? They're sun-loving, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, I have people coming in looking at, looking for flat plants that'll grow in the shade, but by nature, plants that grow flat. Tend to be in the sun. Yes. Yeah. 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 Does the sagina get a flower on it? Haven't noticed it flowering. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it must. Yeah. Yeah. But I, then it is right outside its climate zone with us. Yeah. Pushing yeah. it. Yeah. I do love it when the scleranthus flower, yeah. the biflorus, just these two, like, you know, millimetre diameter. Little white flowers. Tiny yeah. white flowers yeah. Yeah. standing side by side. Yeah. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And it's yeah, something worth looking for. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's fantastic in the yeah. garden. Yeah. 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 I don't is it does it do well in Melbourne? Well, I've never Yeah, I've I've seen it yeah, I've seen it do well. I wouldn't put it in a dry spot. So oh, probably no. it does better out, out east and, you know yeah. mm. up in the Dandenongs where you are. Uh but it definitely needs that consistent moisture. When I was, I was doing a garden bed last semester with some students, and we went up to Karanga so that they could have a look at, you know, plants that are available and um, work towards putting together a plant list so they could design this garden bed on campus. And I said, all right, I set them loose in Karanga and said, take photos of the plants that you like, uh, you know, and, and have a look at the labels, make sure that the cultivation requirements are suited for what the garden that they're, that we're going into which was very dry, unirrigated, next to a road on the other side of the narrow garden bed was a building, so there's reflected heat coming from everywhere. Mm. Plus it was, uh, yeah, un- the garden bed was unirrigated, as I said, and about five of them the next week when we were putting together a plant list and they all brought in their favourites of what they saw the week before, they were like, oh, this scoranthus, you know, get this beautiful green mat and, you know, we'll suppress out the weeds and blah 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 great plant but it is just going to fry in this garden bed alpine bogs yeah Yeah. that's where they grow yeah that's right so they can take yeah they can take the sun but they need the moisture they need moisture yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah yeah anyway and weeding Uh, yeah and weeding too so what are these plants like it's suppressing weeds that are underneath them no, the, the issue with these plants is the seeds falling into them. So it's the top. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they love it's it's perfect germination spot, especially mm. if you're watering them. Mm. It's moist underneath. Yeah. And it's protect the seeds are protected. That's right. Mm. Yeah. 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 So we didn't go with the scleranthus for that spot. We got some brown cover grevilleas. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. To help, and they were dealing with weeds big time. But yeah, people people just love the scleranthus when they learn about them. It's not. A popular plant that you sort of that it's sort of commonly known about. I find it's sort of something people come to. Yeah, mm. 
So I've got area. them all. You've seen them in the nursery, right at the edge of the nursery, and yeah, they're enormously popular. Yeah, but people think they're a hardy ground cover. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a really nice tight green mat that'll grow in a a dry spot. Yeah, because prati is good as well, but it needs a wet spot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think the, that's, ti- the times are generally pretty good, aren't they? In yeah, the dry conditions, so. much better. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much better. We'll get to some of the other plants that you've brought in in a moment, Craig. I'm going to open up the phone lines to our listeners now. Uh, if you want to ask Craig or Kevin any questions, we've got two nursery experts in this morning. The number is nine four one nine zero one double five. If you want to send us a text message, the number is O four double eight eight zero nine eight five five. Save that into your phone for easy access. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our names on those social media sites are Three CR Gardening Show, and that's where we post uh, images of the plants that we've been talking about. Uh, last week we were chatting about the floating wetlands that I saw, and Emmeline brought in. Uh, Emmeline was speaking about uh, a bio fertilization recipe from a workshop that we went to, and Liz put those images of the recipe and the floating wetlands up on our socials uh, during the week. So go check those out if you ha- if you haven't seen them and you've been thinking about them because I just know you have. Uh, we've had a couple of text messages come in already. Uh, Rosie in Mount Eliza says that she planted a Grevillium moonlight about four months ago, but is concerned that it might not be in as in a spot that's not as free draining as it should be. The leaf ends are a little brown, and she not doesn't think it's thriving. Should she wait until spring, or can she lift it now? Does it need to be planted in a mound? If it's a problem with water, well, that's only going to get worse in the next few months. Mm. So mm. I'd, I'd be inclined to move it immediately. I have seen moonlights put into slightly heavier soils mm-hmm. when they've been younger and their leaves do curl up. It happened mm-hmm. to my neighbour as well. Yeah. And I was chatted to a friend about it who's a bit of a rain man when it comes to plants. And he said they do go like that when they're younger and in a slightly wetter spot. Mm. They usually pull through. Okay. Um, but if she if it's really freshly planted four months, you could probably pull it up and mound the spot and then maybe put it back into yeah, that same think spot. It would still be okay to do it now. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought yeah. four months is okay. Yeah. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't leave it any longer. No. Because Grevillea don't really like being moved. No, no they don't. No, no. that's true. Yeah. So um, mound it if you want to, Rosie, uh, but you might not have to. They usually do bounce back once they get themselves established. So they're, they're, they're more... North of the Divide, aren't they? Yeah, they're the the Banksii bipinnatophyta. That's right. Mm. All yeah. those hybrids. Yeah, yeah. So, so lots of pruning and um, yeah, lots of deadheading. Tr- yeah. All you need to do is deadhead it, yeah. and it'll stay, you know, beautiful. It's great flower, isn't yeah. it? The yeah. color is fantastic. Yeah, and I I love how the the color of the flower changes throughout the seasons. Yeah. Too, I think in winter it's usually more of a, it can be more yellowy cream, and then it goes white over summer. Mm. It's a stunning plant, and you can't kill it. Mm. Really. Well, my experience of them is if you don't prune them, they get leggy and fall over. Because yeah, it's quite a tall variety. That's isn't right. It? Yeah, yeah. they probably get a bit snap. Yeah, they'll snap. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Beautiful plant. 
Okay, another question from Susie. Oh, no, not a question, a comment. My pore and parvifolium is a really good ground cover yes. and the fine leaf form is nice green and dense too. Yep. So mm. that's a good suggestion. The, the myoporums are big though, aren't they? They are big and, and they'll vigorous. cover a big area, yeah. large vigorous. area. Yeah. yeah, and they'll also mound over the top of it. You need to hit them where you can mow them on a high setting, but you need to keep the top prune because they can get straggly and mound like it'll just grow That's on right. top of yeah. each other that's a good idea i've never thought about that that's yeah. a great idea yeah or whippersnipper yeah 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 keep some nice keep some low keep some yeah. nice mm. and dense yeah i thought you might like that yeah. <laughs> you like hard pruning <laughs> yeah well i think that's what gardening's about yeah second biggest job <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> yeah massive job yeah 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 Okay. Oh, we've got a caller on the line. Let's say good morning to Valen in Rye. Hello. Hi. Morning. How are you going? Valin. Valin from Briar Hill. Valin. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, morning. What's your uh, question? Sedums. Uh, they're the, the tall ones, about two-foot pink flower. I'm not sure of the variety, but they're thick stalks, so they're falling uh, over can I've cut them back? Is that bad at this time? Because I've cut them right to the ground. Should I've cut the dead flowers off first, and then what? I'm not sure what sedums do. And uh, I saw the new growth coming through, so I thought, oh, okay. Um, what's the cycle of a sedum? And and yeah, will the frost kill it now? Or so a lot of the a lot of the sedums um, are awesome flowering and probably getting to the end of the flowering season. And the flower changes in colour, goes right through to almost a, a bronzy brown colour. And then um, once they lose all the, the colour out of the out of the flower, you can chop them back really hard. Sedums, you can almost uh, mow them down to ground level and they, they reshoot oh, every year. So you, those little growths that you're seeing at the base of the plant are uh, the start of next season's growth and next season's flowers. So... Uh, you could do it now. Some people wait a little bit longer until um, the flowers are totally finished, but uh, it won't hurt to cut them back now. It depends oh, entirely on the look. I mean, some people, I tend to leave them over the winter yeah. because they're quite architectural. And, yeah. and that'll protect the plant too from the cold. It does. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what, what you can do with the sedums to stop them flopping is in December when the shoots are coming up, you go over and cut them in half. Ah, December, okay. Yeah, well before flowering. Mm. And then then Mm. they'll be stouter and not so leggy. Oh, that's good. They are quite brittle, aren't they? They are, yeah. 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 Excellent. Great tips. Thank you. Good. All right, well, all the best. Doesn't sound like you need to do too much work. No. Thank you. Enjoy. See you later. Bye. Bye. Uh, okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Chloe Foster and I have Craig Wilson and Kevin Parker in the studio with me this morning. Uh, we've had a, a call already and a few text messages. If you missed those numbers before, the number is uh, 94190155 to call us and jump on air. And the text line is 0488 we can't accept images via the text line. It doesn't show up on the software that we use. So if you do have a photo that you want to send to us or if you're a podcaster and you catch up after 
the show the live shows finish you can send us an email and the email address is gardening at 3cr.org.au now i haven't got any community announcements uh today i said last i put the call out last week to you know any clubs or groups out there that have that are wanting to encourage more members or if you have any events on please send us an email it's to that that same address that I just said gardening at 3cr.org.au we'd love to promote any gardening clubs or or anything horticulture related if there's any events on please let us know all right a couple of other text messages have come through so Peter said um, that the Villa Elba historic house in Walmer Street in Kew is open today and they've got a beautiful exhibition on showcasing uh, 18th century uh, uh, fashions. Have you either of you been to Villa Alba? No. We we go there and um, help them out in the garden every now and then. It's this beautiful um, Victorian Italianate mansion Mm. that uh, was going to rack and ruin in the late 80s, early 90s and the community banded together and, and bought it and it's now called the Villa Alba Museum and they do have exhibitions there every now and then. Mm. But they've been part of the um, events that they run uh, raising money to restore the building. So it was a hospital, uh, no, yeah, a nurse or a nurse's home for, a, you know, 30-odd years or something once the original family sold it off. And in true form, when it was taken over by a hospital, like everything just got painted over. <laughs> yeah. But what one of the there's a really strong botanical theme in the artworks and all the tilings and all the decorations at Villa Alba. There's uh, murals on the on the ceilings, but they were also on really ornate paintings on the walls and throughout the hallway as well. And everything just got painted over. So there's been slowly. Restoring. I don't know how they do it, restoring it mm. over the last 30 years. Mm. Uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous building and it's a real it's a real treat to go and have a sticky beak into. So, yeah, Villa Alba is open uh, from 1 till 4 today uh, and they've got an exhibition on. Uh, I can't remember the how much entry is, but definitely check it out. There's a woman that I maintained her bonsai collection for 25 years, and she was heavily involved in the purchase of it. Oh, right. This was back in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm familiar with it. But yeah, there's some, yeah, the really passionate group of people that are that are looking after it, and we help them out with the gardens every now and then. There's a lot of, there's a lot of potential with the garden there, but yeah, they just haven't, they've been focusing on restoring the house and, yeah. and mm. keeping that at a safe, at a safe standard. Um, the garden's in good condition. Um, it just needs, you know, just needs a bit of love and ongoing, consistent care. Mm. Yeah, that's no, a beautiful old building. Uh, Linda has messaged in saying that she was inspired by last week's show and went to Western Plains Flora, which Google told her was open as a retail nursery. Sadly, it's not. No, it's not, Linda. That's a bummer that Google says that. Perhaps Western Plains Flora have an open day. Every, once a year or something, I'm not quite sure, but it might be worth giving them a call and having a chat. They do supply to landscape industry and retail nurseries. So another thing that you could do is uh, speak to your retail nursery, your local garden centre, about uh, getting some stock in from them if there's some particular species that you're after. And we've got another caller 
on the line. Good morning to Stella from Carlton. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was interested in in listening to your comments on the begonias, and I wondered, um, should I lift the bedding begonias now as it's getting cooler and keep them dry for over winter? If you want to keep them alive, yeah. Mm. That's, that's the, yeah. They're the sempiflorums. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They like to be really dry. And the frost, the frost tends to burn them right back yeah. to nothing. And um, if they're left in the ground, particularly in heavier soils, they probably would... Uh, just rot out so yeah. good idea to lift them yes you need to put them somewhere where they have a cover overhead mm. so that you can control the watering well um like in a sort of a shed and um um uh, keep them moist or just keep them dry uh, the thing with begonia is that when you water them you really water them so you soak them completely and oh. then you don't water them again until they're really dry. Mm. Dry. Yeah. yeah. So not little bits regularly. That's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing, yeah. yeah. And uh, when would I, and then I'd just uh, repot them in spring, would I? As Yeah, probably about September as the weather warms up. would be a good time September, to repot. Yeah. You'll, they'll, and, they'll start shooting about that time. And just a normal potting mix? Good quality potting mix. Yes, fine, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, the other quick question was um, teddy bear magnolia. When does that come into flower? Uh, it flowers on and off throughout the year, but particularly through the warmer months of the year. Um, warm. It uh, originates from southern USA, so it's used to that really warm climate, and that's, ah. uh, that's what encourages the flowers. But you will get spot flowering throughout the year. Okay, so what, I have what, to wait for the warmer months. <laughs> what you have to be careful with those evergreen magnolias is that they have names that indicate that they're small. A lot of them <laughs> can get big. <laughs> it's not necessarily. It, it may be I that the know. foliage is small, but the plant's not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. This one was bought small, but this is not small now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the thing is, uh, the leaves are, are beautiful and gle- green and glossy, but you know. Um, it's uh, it's 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 going to be big. <laughs> it's not going to be small. That's right. It's not going to be teddy bear at all. <laughs> they're, they're very very amenable to pruning. Yes. Oh right. Yeah. 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 Sort of plant that's better if it is. It yeah. Just, actually. Yeah. 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 What would you put in for a bit of colour now, as regards like annual type things? Uh, now's the season for. Um, uh, well, there's a whole range of plants: uh, primulas and pansies, violas. Yeah. Uh, Center areas for those semi-shaded areas do well at this time of the year. Uh, Just alyssum. Alyssum is always good. Yeah. Lobelias yeah. can go in there. Mm. I always yeah. like the violas, the ones with the little flowers. Mm. Yeah. They yeah. last a bit longer too. They, they do. do. They last for ages. Yeah. 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 And you know those other ones. Um, I don't know when on our and we used to call them cowslips, but. They're the colourful, they're yellow and um, I can't remember the, what they're called, but they're, they're annual, they come, they're winter sort of ones. That would be primula. Could Cow, be primula. Cows, cowslip, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Um, all righty. I love the programme. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Stella. You have a good day. Bye. Bye now. Bye. All right, the text messages are coming in. 
Uh, name from Brunswick says that they have a Pandaria jasminoides planted against their fence, but they've read that the roots can seek out and damage water pipes. Um, they're in a rental, not on a slab, and it is planted into the. Uh, sorry, it's planted about 180 centimeters from where the bathroom plumbing goes underground. Is it far enough away, or should it be moved elsewhere? Pandaria close to a building. Uh, very strong climbing plant. I've never heard of them causing issues with plumbing, though. No, it's, it, uh, it depends more... on your pipes. Yeah. If they're, yeah. If they're um, PVC, they're fine, but if they're the old wow. ceramic Terracotta ones... Types, yeah. 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 In, in Brunswick, a, they're probably the old ones. Could well be, yeah. 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 It might... Yeah, it's, it's more so that the roots don't seek... This it's sort of a bit of a misnomer. Is the roots plant roots don't necessarily seek out the water pipes. Plants mm. don't know that water is inside these pipes. Mm. There's usually a crack in the pipes That's first. Right. That's right. And uh, you know, it, and it can be minute yeah. uh, cracks, and particularly in the terracotta pipes because they're a bit porous. Uh, and the plant roots are so tiny, they'll just start working their way through and yeah. and growing, and then the growth of the root cracks the pipe. Mm. Uh, if you're a bit concerned about it and if you have the ability to move it, then maybe it will be worth mm. shifting. Or even it's the sort of plant that needs regular pruning, isn't it? So if, I think if you maintain the pruning to it, then that's going to contain it as but, well. But that won't slow the roots down, though, will it? Um, I think it probably would because okay. the plant's not, you know, needing, you know, a larger root system. Yep. Um, it, and they're reasonably drought-hardy plants, aren't they? They're not yeah. not thirsty plants. Yeah, so probably neglect the plant a little neglect bit too yeah. to stop it being so vigorous, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All the best. Okay. Uh, Susie has messaged in again. Um, the uh, She went to the West – the. Open Gardens, Victoria, West Gippsland Gardens. Um, Tambreet was particularly beautiful. And just a reminder that they're both open until 4.30 today. So if you want to, if you're looking for a day out just to get out of the house, there's a coffee van at, at Tambreet Garden and delicious toasties. Oh, and a cake stall. Thank you, Susie. Um, <laughs> jump in the car and head out to um, Gippsland today. What a good day trip. Uh, there's more information and the addresses for those gardens on the OGV website, but it'd probably only be an hour, hour and a half out of Melbourne to get to those gardens if you want to uh, take a day, uh, have a day out of the city. Uh, oh, names messaged in again. It's a 1950s build in Brunswick, so it's likely older pipes. Probably mm. terracotta, in which probably. case you'd want to be a bit careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can always put in barriers. I mean, but, but if you're renting, it's probably not worth it. No, no. and if no. you want to take the plant with you, I uh, don't think it's in a pot. Maybe yeah, take it out and put it in a pot in that same place. Vigorous plant to grow in a pot, though, isn't it? It is, but it would, mm. it would sort of keep it. Yeah. it is a vigorous plant to put in a pot. Yes, yeah. but it might restrict it a little bit if you mm. really if you really want to grow that particular species. Yeah. Oh, the number is 94190155 if you want to chat to us on air. I have a question for both of you. What is happening in your garden at the moment, your personal gardens? Um, most of my plants at home are in pots and most of those plants are edible plants. Okay. So, um, and they're starting to look a bit sad now. <laughs> partly because of the time of the year and partly because I haven't given them the TLC that they might need. 
things like um, I've got parsley, I've got oregano. Um, the capsicums have finished um, producing fruit now. There's one last little red one hanging mm-hmm. on the plant. Um, oregano and uh, thyme, those sorts of things. So they're all sort of getting to the end of the season. How come you've got everything or most things in pots? Have you got That's a smaller garden? smaller garden. We're in a townhouse. So uh, I've got a very small backyard, a tiny strip of lawn. Yeah. And... Um, uh, anything that I, I need to grow, I need to have it in, in pots. But a lot of it with me is a time issue as well, you know, having um, having the time on the weekends, for instance, to do mm. much gardening. So um, I have it set up so it's on a, an irrigation system and, and it makes it a bit easier to look after, I guess. Is it drip irrigation? or Drip, yeah, yeah. In, drip in the pots themselves. In the pots, yeah. yeah. So the beauty of it is when I replant, I can, you know, just pop the irrigation back in the new plants. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've uh, been neglecting <laughs> neglecting the herbs of uh, recent times, so so not much at the moment in my garden. Are you getting ready to move? The, like, will you be taking them with you? Yes, yes, getting ready to move. So we're uh, we're uh, moving to to Warnable in the next month or so, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, it is easy, obviously, to take plants in pots and. Um, mm. Uh, more so than if you've got things in the garden, you know, it's difficult to, to take them with you. So Yeah, that is the beauty of pots, is they're movable. You can, that's yeah. right, that's right. So. The garden requires planning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. Yeah. So hopefully when we get down there, then I, I've probably got a bit more space to do a bit more gardening. Yeah, will you be looking for a little bit more space down yes. there? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's one thing I do miss is having a... A little bit of garden. Yeah. So. Now you're saying before we went on air that you've been at the greenery for 30 years. 30 years and this you've October. Just finished up. Just finished last Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, customers timing's... are going to miss you. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll miss them too. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, you, you have all these memories that that that, that come back. And, uh, you know, all the things that I've uh, – and, and the amount of people that we've met over the years, you know, it's been been fantastic. So mixed emotions in, mm. in leaving. You know, I'm sort of looking forward to the new life, but but uh, after 30 years, you you know, you, you're you going to miss a lot of things, I guess. Yeah. You, you would have regulars who have been coming in the whole time. And, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they become uh, like friends. Uh, correct, yeah. And yeah. you have customers that come in, you know, some customers twice a week. Uh, and over that long period of time. So you build up a, you know, strong relationship. That's right, yeah. uh, uh, But uh, looking forward to the the new life and maybe a new garden and and, a different sort of um, environment, I guess. Yeah, gardening in a slightly different climate Mm. down in Warrnambool. And alkaline soil. Yeah. 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 And the wind and the cold, everybody tells me. I was going to say the me. wind. <laughs> <laughs> we just, uh, you know, we said, oh, it's cold and warnable, but uh, you just put an extra jumper on, I think. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Grin and beer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, cold's fine. You can just keep piling the clothes on. It's, That's right. It's yeah. way better than heat. Yes. But, but yeah. once you get moving, you, yeah. Know, yeah. you start You're taking fine. all the layers off. Correct. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, so it uh, should be good. Yeah. It should be good. Another question about your current garden: Is it mainly herbs that you're growing in pots? Have you got any mainly bigger? Have you got any bigger plants? I had. Um, I was a big fan of uh, maples, weeping type maples, and I had some beautiful big specimens in pots. And of course, eventually they get 
too large in the pot and, and what do you do with them? Um, I know no space in the garden to plant them. Yeah. So um, uh, we had to uh, had to sell those, unfortunately. But um, The people uh, that you sold them to, do you know if they were going to put them in, they had a spot in the ground for they them? They were going to plant them in the ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I made sure that the people that were buying them were <laughs> going to look after them because yeah. I'd put a lot of time and effort into the plants. I mean, not that you have a lot of control over what people do with the plants when they get them, but, but you know, I gave them lots of advice on, on what to do with them. Well, yeah, let's chat about that because if you are, if you have got a plant that's been in a pot and a big pot for a really long time, and Japanese mm. maples are a perfect example of that, mm. how do you go about planting them into the ground? Yeah, so once they're, I mean, if they've been in the pot for that length of time, the roots often are quite congested. I know mm. mine would have been. Um, so you can't just take it straight out of the pot and put it into the ground without doing some um, establishment on the root system. Um, and of course with something like a maple it needs a, a reasonably good soil to be planted into and particularly coming out of a large pot you have to dig a big hole um, so you need to make sure that the drainage is good around the root system you know we always talk about good drainage for a lot of plants but uh, maples particularly need it um, and those roots that are congested would need to be broken up and um, just to encourage them to grow into the new soil uh, a bit of fertiliser, the sea salt um, we mentioned is, is always good to, mm. to help with the roots, getting them started. And um, uh, make sure they're protected from, you know, the really hot sun. You know, sometimes maples, are, some varieties are more tolerant of sun, but some varieties don't like hot sun. So you need to make sure they're planted in the right, the right mm. spot out of, you know, facing east is probably a good spot for maples. Yeah. The other issue with it, putting in advanced plants like that is that it, the soil around them may be moist, mm. but the actual old root ball is dry. Is bone dry? Correct. Yeah, and so if that be, stays dry, it's hard for the plant to get established. That's right. You so you have to be fail. really careful with watering to make sure you get it into the old root ball. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Often the water hits the root ball and runs down the side. It yeah. doesn't get into where it's needed. So uh, there's all those sort of things to consider. Yeah. Uh, particularly while they're establishing. Yeah. When they're establishing, once they're established, they're really tough. Mm. Mm. In my experience of dissectums. Yes. Yeah. 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 Black Saturday, all the conifers in my rock garden, the western side, all the foliage burnt off them. Mm. So they just lost everything. The, the Japanese maples, and they're old ones, so they've been in the ground for a long time. They were fine. Didn't bat an eyelid. Wow. No. Yeah. And none of the leaves burnt? No. With the, no. No, and that was 44 or something, yeah. which is unheard of for us. And did the conifers come back? They did. Yeah. I didn't know that they would, but it took, took about three or four years for mm. them to fill in. Because mm. yeah. yeah, normally a lot of conifers, once you lose that green growth... Mm. I was convinced that was it, that I'd have to chuck them out. But wow. they, they came back. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What yeah. made you decide just to leave them? To see what happened. Yeah. 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 Three years is a decent amount of time to see what's happened, what might happen. <laughs> well, they're slow-growing plants. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a time period? In? No. No, you're just going to just leave them, yeah. see what they do. See what they yeah. do. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. it's taken a long time to get them to the size that they were, I oh, guess. So years. if you, if you yeah. dig them out, you yeah. know, it's, it's a long time to replace them. Yep. Mm. Yep. At the moment at Long Acres, they're getting smashed by deer. Um. It drives me insane. Uh. You know, I went up there the other day and there was a dwarf form of red pine, which was, you know, it's been in the ground for about 10 years. So just hitting its stride, completely smashed. Uh. Wow. Yeah. 
They do so much damage. So much damage. Oh, mm. it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I'm going to ask you about Long Acres in a moment. We've got a couple of uh, calls to get through. They'll say good morning to Marilyn in Windsor. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. What's your question um, for the panel? Okay, I've got um, a passion fruit vine, well established, but the possums have completely eaten the green around from the stem. Part of the passion fruit vine I can see is already dead. And I'd want to know if it's possible to wrap anything around it to act as a green thing again. I tried sticky tape, but that didn't really work. Just to see if I can save the plant. Chicken wire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, thank you. Great. When I was at the zoo, it was, I don't think it would work outside, but there was a particular plants that we grew that the caterpillars used to eat the the outer bark of the stems as well because it was quite juicy and we used to put foil around it but that was in a they were in a pot i don't know mm. how to how that'd go in the ground but short term but chicken wire sounds like a really good option i mean we have issues at long acres with the deer eating the bark on yeah. some trees and uh, chicken wire that might be your best bet Okay, and if I can ask another question. Yeah, of course. Um, I've got a tree fern, and do banana skins go in the tree fern, or is that the staghorn, or what can I feed that's natural that I've got for that tree fern, anything? The stag ferns are what we usually put banana peels in. Don't know about banana peels in tree ferns, no, not necessarily. How, how old is the tree fern? Oh, probably about... Seven years, eight years. So it should be well established. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. But yeah. I just wondered if if there was anything that, you know, like when you have your banana, you can pop it in there. But yeah. Even just a handful of um, manure, like a cow manure. Um, just around in, the base. It's seven just years I'd be feeding it from the base. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, if Thank you've you. got some, yeah, your home compost that you want to empty out, yeah. you need excess, I chuck have. it around that. Well, they love a bit yep. of dynamic lifter. Yeah, they would like that. Yeah. Yep. All righty, thank you. All right, all the best. See you later. Okay, bye. Okay, and we'll say good morning to Anne in Lower Templestowe. How are you? Oh, good, thank you, Chloe. <laughs> um, I have a question about pruning viburnum. Uh, ours, the snowball type. Um, my husband cut ours down to ground level in summer because it was starting to die. And now we have shoots, about 20 shoots, coming from the ground about three or four foot high. Uh, what are we, how are we supposed to manage that? My experience of viburnums, the snowball, is that you don't, pruned from the outside and you just take out old canes because, right. because they have that arching shape mm. that does not really amenable to to clipping or pruning yes. yeah so i'd be inclined to just leave the shoots and then when they get a bit bigger to thin out some of the canes after flowering yeah the best right. time is after flowering yeah all right. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that. It may be that it started to die back because the old canes hadn't been removed mm. in the past. They oh, tend that'll to... be the reason. Yeah. Yes. 
So you take them oh, out right. from the base. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. Oh, good. Well, thanks very much indeed. All the best, Anne. Have a good, good day. Good, thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, a text message has come in. Uh, the Friends of Mary Creek are having a Mother's Day planting next Sunday, the 14th of May, from 10am until midday. They're meeting near Winifred Street in Northcote. Bring Mum along, help Mother Earth and local fauna by planting Indigenous mid-storey shrubs and trees along the Mary Creek. They're hosting a barbecue after the planting session Halal, vegan and gluten-free options are available. If anyone wants any more information, uh, phone Claire and I think I can give this number out, 0417-833-957. So that's the Friends of Mary Creek uh, hosting a Mother's Day planting. And if you want more information, please speak to Claire, 0417-833-957. Craig. My first garden was in Winifred Street. Was it? That was the first house I had, yeah. And across the road was a council depot where the creek was, or is. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about the garden. Natives. Yeah. Which is, you know, logical in that sort of climate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How long, it, how long were you there for? Uh, five years. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, were you renting or did you buy? No, I bought it. You bought I it? I bought it off a, a Greek woman that I was working with. Were there olive trees and lemon trees in the front Nothing garden? Nothing. was concrete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four skips full. Oh. <laughs> you you got rid of it. I broke oh. it up with a kango hammer, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. But that was mid-twenties. Well, yeah, so, you know, young and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever driven past no. since to no. see what... So what did you so you plant a lot of native plants? And there wasn't a lot yeah. around then. That was in the early to mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Lemon scented tea tree. Um Yes. Yeah, they were common with Yeah, they? that's yeah, right. They were. Yeah, and beautiful plants. Mm. Yeah. And and Banksia ericafolia. Mm. Those sort of things. Where did you get them from? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably um probably from the um Pointons. Okay. Yeah. Mm. In Essendon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, for five years you ripped up all the concrete. Yeah. Front and, was it concrete or front, front and back? Front and back. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that is classic. Yeah. Of that of that era and those it houses is. around yeah. there. And oh. nice clean concrete. Oh, I bet it was. <laughs> Can you imagine the hosing of the concrete that happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> back in back in yeah. the, the day when people used to hose down the driveways. When I think yeah. of what I paid for that property and what it would be worth now with the oh. Mary Creek on the other side of the road. Because it was just wire fences. Yeah. And yeah. those huge palm trees that seeded everywhere, you know, the Phoenix palms. Oh, yes. yeah. Can you remember what the state of the creek was? It was a drain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Full of weeds. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even go there. It was just not, yeah, it wouldn't have been very inviting. That's an understatement. Yeah. It was okay. a drain. Yeah. With, with a council depot alongside it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, rusting old equipment. and Yeah. 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 Oh, goodness. Oh, all right. That's interesting. We're gonna, I've got a couple of questions for you, but there's text messages um, coming in. Uh, Bethany from Nunawading phoned in and would like some ideas for nature for a nature strip fruit tree. 
um, she can condition the soil and water and prune, etc. What do you guys suggest? What evergreen or deciduous? Or <sighs> hasn't specified. What would you go with? Probably first thing I do is check with the council whether it's. Um, I mean, it's a great idea to yeah. plan up the nature strip, but some councils are a bit restrictive. I think some of them do have regulations about mm. nature strip planting. Mm. So yeah, jump, probably jump on your council website, Google mm. your council, and then nature strip planting. I'm much naughtier than that. Well, <laughs> I just do it. <laughs> just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I've done some guerrilla gardening in my nature strip recently. If you involve the council, then you get bogged down in this yes. red tape <laughs> and bureaucracy and lists of things that you can and can't plant. And Good point, because if you wanted to completely rip up the nature strip and replant it, then you'd probably go, well, maybe I should check out what the regulations are. But if mm. it's just one tree or a couple of trees... It probably doesn't matter. Do yeah. No. I, I would be thinking about visibility coming out of your driveway yeah. with the sorts of tree that you want to plant. Like you still want to be able to see coming out. So maybe something that's deciduous. Mm. The, the, I mean, the, it, the issue with the nature strip is that you are not going to be able to manage in terms of fruit bats and things like that and birds. Mm. You're not going to be able to net them. Mm. So big like plums and apricots and peaches would just disappear yeah long before they're ripe yeah well, where is she none of what is if you put in the dwarf varieties yeah you know that get to one one and a half tops mm. achievable for for her to just you know throw yeah. easily throw a net over yeah yeah but it, i wouldn't put in anything that yeah is going to get bigger because it's going to be pretty obvious that you've done some guerrilla gardening in your nature By the time it's obvious, it's part of the landscape. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you really use, have a way of just cutting through the bullshit. I'd <laughs> use fijoas. I was thinking fijoas those. Fijoas are good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No, the things don't eat them. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but the only thing is they like to be fed, so you have to turn the fertiliser mm. on them. But fijoas are tough. And you could lift them trees. a bit to get visibility. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or you could... Yeah, keep them to sort of one by one metre where you might be able to sort of see around it if yeah. you wanted to keep it small or mm. you could let it get bigger. I've yeah. seen them grow bigger. Into small trees, yeah, yeah. if you leave yeah. a beautiful bark. And you pleach the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so cut all the foliage off the bottom so that you can see underneath mm. and then, but then keep it to a height where you can reach the fruit. Yep. But with Fajoa, are they best picked when they fall onto the ground? Is that... Yeah, they are, fun? but you'd be able to, you can pick them, but they have to be soft. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a couple of options. But they are delicious. Yeah, even they're even beautiful. Even yeah. things like an olive tree, I know they're a bit bigger, and I guess it depends yeah. on whether you're a, a, a fan of olives, but they're mm. pretty hardy trees, very, very tough. Very hardy. Yeah. 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 Love, you know, they're yeah. Mediterranean-type plants. So or almonds. Almonds, almonds are tough would be okay. Yeah. yeah. Pomegranate. Yeah, pomegranates are good. Pomegranates good, are yeah. beautiful. Persimmons, yeah. while we're going Persimmons. those big ones. Persimmons yeah. want a bit more um, water and they're okay. a bit t more tender. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with the olives, I'm just thinking of some of them can be so weedy. There's yeah. a variety called Swan Hill that's yeah. a sterile. It produces fruit, but it's sterile, so that's yeah. a really good – that's mm. sort of my go-to Yeah. I think they're going to be a major weed in years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so 
get a sterile version if you want to put an olive. There's a few options. Bethany, hopefully that's been helpful. And sneak them in. Yeah, do it slowly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I put a I've put a eucalypt in my in my um, front nature strip recently. Yeah. A small Mallee eucalypt that is from WA. Supposedly does better in heavier soils. Yeah. It's still alive at the moment. Uh, one week after I planted, I thought it was going to die. <laughs> Some of the leaves started curling up and going brown. I thought you've got to be kidding me this has been in for a week like what have i done (laughs) but it's holding on and it's putting on a bit of new growth you know what people people often blame themselves for the death of a plant but it's not necessarily your fault it's it's the condition under which it's been grown by the nursery absolutely yeah yeah thank you for making me feel better (laughs) no it's true because you you know and it's happened with so many other situations in life you automatically go to blame yourself absolutely Mm. when it's like an external source that you've completely out of your control yeah it it may have come down on a container from southern queensland the night before you bought it yeah you don't know history yeah it's been grown in a glass house or yeah yeah, and Mm. babied and they get babied in nurseries too Yeah. yeah yeah thanks craig (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right a text message from jack about hellebores uh they didn't cut them back last year now the new growth is pushing through can they cut the old scruffy leaves off now annually yes yes definitely lawnmower and at any time no no, now or yeah. and, and onwards. Yep. You want to do it before the new shoots come up because they're quite brittle and you tend to break them off. Mm. Yeah, but look, I use the lawnmower. Do you? Yeah. I probably would have used it a month or so ago before yeah, that's the right. new growth comes yep. along. Yep. Set it at a high setting yep. as well. Yep. Yep. Here Sometimes what they used to do with Helleborus is they were coming into flower is remove even the fresh green leaves so that you can actually see the flowers because the foliage sometimes hides, you know, the flowers sit down inside the foliage where you can't see it. So they used to go, I mean, the new varieties aren't so bad now, but the old varieties, they used to chop the leaves off Mm. so you just see the flowers. One thing about Helleborus is that there is a virus around Mm. and um, if you have a lot of them on your property, don't bring any more in. What does the virus look like it, on the plant? Uh, black leaves. Do do they they go a colour black or do they blacken off and die? They go. Uh, they blacken off and die. Okay. Yeah, and is um, it a it's gone time right through long acres. Okay. The, yeah, and there are thousands of them there. We're going to have to get rid of the whole lot. Oh, jeepers! So, yeah. I'm just trying to think of what. So, what should people look out for? Black leaves at a certain time of um, year. Yeah, it's after the flowering. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because usually the foliage, they flower and the foliage just stays green. It just hangs around for eight, you know. Well, they flower and then new leaves grow after the flowers. Yeah. And then that's where it manifests itself. Okay. But if you have a collection of Helleborus, don't bring any more in. There's a risk of spreading it. Yeah. Or bringing it in. Yeah. Yeah. So the new, so it's potentially coming in from new plants. Yep. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. All right. Public service announcement. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Good morning to Michael in Forest Hill. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, um, I'll, I'll be quick. Um, um, bit of a curly one. Um, we're having curly ones this morning, aren't we? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
uh, nature strip lawn. Um, uh, it's got every, you know, every, it's got every kind of grass in it, as, as you know. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's more a weed bed than a, uh, um, you know, than uh, one straight grass. But I want to, I want to slow it down. I want to, uh, you know, I, um, I, I, I'm, I'm having to mow it all, all, the, all the time, sort of thing. And I don't know how to. Um, is it? Is it? You know? Is there a way of slowing grass down? I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I did Google it a bit, but um, um, it just sort of said, you know, cut, put um, uh, like a, a mulch over it, over it, sort of thing, or a, uh, you know. Um, Ultimately, a mulch will just encourage the weeds because yeah. it provides a nice yeah. nest for them to sit under. I think, yeah. and, and weeds being weeds are generally very quick growing anyway, so um, it's probably um, long term best to, to get rid of the weeds and then maybe use the area for, you know, planting out as we've been discussing, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, what Chloe was talking about earlier, myoporum. Myoporum is a good alternative, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always going to have problems with it growing quickly. Uh, if if it's predominantly weeds, so you either have to get rid of the weeds and plant something else, or um, yeah. you know uh, put a new lawn back in once the weeds have gone. Maybe choose a lawn that's uh, a hardier type grass that doesn't grow quickly. And there are a few varieties um, for a nature strip, for instance. Um, things like couch grass is uh, very tough and yeah. low yeah. growing, so it doesn't need mowing much. Yeah. All right. That. Um yeah, I mean, I'd 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 like to replace it with just. Uh, I know it sounds a bit terrible, but uh, you know, um, some sort of gra- gra- um, non non grass material. Um, but I, I'm not sure if I can do that. So. Uh, but you will always get weeds. Yeah. 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 I mean, a, a weed mat yeah. doesn't work either. No. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. No, so so no. whatever you do, you're going to get weeds, unless you yeah. have it covered in something else. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'll let you know how I go. Good. Good luck. All the best, Michael. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. A text message came in a little bit earlier asking about Gardener's Day Out this year. Now, I think it's the Royal Horticultural Society event that they hold. Uh, I've just done a little bit of research the 17th of June, RHS Victoria um, have their garden Gardener's Day Out event on from 9.30. Um, Jane Edmondson is going to be presenting. Karen Sutherland, who our listeners know, she's been coming in for a million years. We love Karen. Attila Capitani is there as well talking about succulents. And Craig Castry will also be there talking about edible gardens in urban spaces. So this is being held at the Rusden Theatre on at Deakin University in Burwood. This the information I've just shared is on, and there's a bit more of that on the rhsv.org.au website. So the Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria website, if you want to get a little bit more information. Uh, for the Gardener's Day Out, and there's a registration form on there too. Uh, we've got another caller we'll go to, coming in thick and fast, Lee in Merrick's North. Good morning. 
Good morning, panel. Good morning. I have a query. I have an abundance of um, Chinese gooseberries or kiwi fruit. Um, they're rock hard at this stage. Um, I know how to ripen them over a period uh, in a brown paper bag in the pantry of apple or a piece of banana or something. They'll gradually come good. But um, my query is the rats at the moment are, are knocking them down at a great rate. They're not having any joy with them either. They're just sort of scraping a bit with their little pointy teeth and that's it. Um, how on earth does the trade deal with them? Do they gas them or treat them in some way so that at the supermarket they're all firm when you buy them and a couple of days later they're edible? I think they're picked green and cool stored. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. 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 But they must treat them some, in some way in the cool store to have them all um, becoming available, edible, at there's you know, a, a given time. There's a particular gas, ethylene gas. It's, yes. it's a... a a, a natural gas that fruit that some type of fruit release uh, so that they ripen off the tree there's two type there's sort of two different categories there's fruit that do ripen off the tree and they're the ones that pr- produce this ethylene gas and banana is a fantastic example prime example of that but then there's some fruit that don't produce ethylene mm. and they have to they have to be picked on the tree when they're ready so Figs, for example. I'm not sure where kiwi kiwi fruit um, must be able to be ripened by the ethylene gas. And and that's the product that that they would, that supermarkets or whatever would use when they pick them early and and cool store. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose that's what I'm doing too when I put them in a brown paper bag. (coughs) Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. I think kiwi fruit cool store for a long time. Yeah, and that's probably in the favour of the supermarkets because they, they don't want to have them deteriorating too quickly. Yeah, I mean, I find when you're buying fruit that you need to understand the seasons Mm. so that you're not buying fruit that's been stored for too long. And kiwi fruit are in season now, and they're fantastic. I thought gas was probably going to be the answer to how they do it, but I wasn't sure whether that was a very user-friendly sort of product. But maybe it is. I'm not sure they care about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it'd be a, probably be a synthetic form that the supermarkets would use. But in your case, you could pick them before the rats get to them. Brown paper bag doing, and yes. some bananas. I'll, I'll be doing that this week. That's not a problem. Yeah. It wasn't my, how I ripened mine. It was how the supermarkets ripened theirs. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, it was a query I had. Okay, thank you very much. You've mm-hmm. answered it. No worries, Lee. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Do the supermarkets ripen them? Or do they, they, in my experience, they come out unripe. <laughs> yeah. And you have to do that. Kiwi fruits, they yeah, I buy them and then I eat them a week later. Yeah, that's same right. with pears as well. Absolutely. Uh, and the same so, with peaches, nectarines, I mean yeah. Yeah. Persimmons. Maybe they don't anymore. I think I feel like they used to. Yeah. Because I think we particularly with stone fruit, I could be spreading things that are not right. I, I don't I don't know whether they used to be, you know, stored for 12 months, particularly stone fruit, and then gassed with ethylene and then put out on the shelves. 12 months is a long time. Well, like they'll, they'll, they'll cool store the previous seasons. Right. And that's why they start coming in so early now. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because they taste rubbish. Mm. The early stone, ones. Yeah, the early ones yeah. and stone fruit from yeah. the supermarkets. But you can even tell the difference you get an apple that's been cool stored for so long yeah. and then you bite into it and it's you know pink lady for instance it's normally crisp yeah soggy. You know, it's all soggy and brown yeah. inside yeah. and 
Yeah. Tell it's been stored for a yeah. long time. That's the seasonal thing. I mean, apples yeah. are an autumn fruit. You yeah. eat them now and you then eat them come season. July, that's the end of it. Yeah. You exactly. don't buy them anymore. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. We do have a very lovely caller on the line. Good morning, John Arnott. Hey, Chloe. How are you going? Good. How are you? Good, good, going well. I'm just looking out. I'm actually sitting in my garage. Um, but I'm looking out at the most remarkable rainbow. <laughs> oh. it's, uh, yeah, little sunny sunny spots in between. What It's a pretty chilly day. Yeah. Mm. But really, beautiful rainbow. So, really um, chilly this morning. It, it, could be, it could be a good rainbow day. Mm-hmm. That'd be... <laughs> You're looking for the pot of gold, John. Yeah. We're looking for the pot of gold, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, I remember as a kid jumping on the push bike and yeah, trying to find, <laughs> trying to find you. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. You have sore legs by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John, what's going on at the gardens at the moment? Hey, um, <clears throat> uh, Chloe, May uh, is um, it's Botanic Gardens Month, um, so for the month of May. Uh, Big Ends, which is Botanic Gardens of Australia and New Zealand, run a um, oh, sort of a campaign and a series of, of uh, a, a events and um, the like around um, celebrating our you know incredible diversity and range of botanic gardens across Australia and New Zealand. So um, yeah, May uh, mm. and we're what six days into it. Um, May is Botanic Gardens Month, um, and and this uh, we. I guess that the, one of the touch points for the um, Botanic Gardens Month is we're running a series of webinars uh, every Thursday night uh, across for the duration of, of May. Um, and we've got uh, Costa Georgiadis as the, as the host. Um, we had a, a really successful one last week, which was talking about bushfire recovery mm. um, from a, a number of different perspectives, uh, um, which, which you can actually look on, on demand on Facebook or uh, you can go onto the BGANS uh, social medias and, and, and have a look. It was actually a cracking session. Um, but for the next three um, uh, for the next three Thursday nights, we have got. Um, uh, so I'm just having just bringing up the program here. Um, so next next Thursday, uh, it's uh, exploring in some detail um, the uh, National Botanic Gardens. Building a brand new conservatory to display to showcase the tropical native flora of, of Australia and Canberra, um, and that's Heather Sweet, who's the horticulturist nursery person, uh, and Helen McHugh, uh, and they'll they'll be riffing with Costa for 45 minutes an hour on you know the various elements of the uh, Ian Potter National Conservatory, which. I it's well in progress. I think it's going to be opening later in the year. Oh, that's October, exciting. Did, year. Sorry, did you say... Sorry, John. Did you say that's up in Canberra, that project? National Botanic Gardens in Canberra, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, we've actually had some staff in the field uh, a couple of weeks ago doing some collecting for um, for this um, uh, National Conservatory uh, up on the mountain peaks of far north Queensland. Um, so, yeah, it's a climate-controlled, extraordinary-looking... Um, Structure. It's you know one of those iconic, iconic glasshouse structures that you know, you know not quite at the scale that you'd see at the Eden Project, but um, you know a remarkable, a remarkable structure. So yeah, Costa 
uh, and some staff from the National Botanic Gardens this coming Thursday will be um, talking about talking about that in, in, in some detail. Um, you mentioned Karen before, but the mm. 18th of May, Thursday the 18th of May, there's something called a botanical banquet, um, and it's really exploring, um, you know, botanic gardens, but gardens of all shapes and sizes um, in, um, you know, produce. It's really the... the um, so, yeah, exploring produce gardens. And uh, Jenny Bell from the uh, from the Melbourne Gardens will be talking about the, the kitchen garden associated with the children's garden. Um, and, uh, yeah, Karen, uh, Karen Sutherland is going to be uh, joining, talking about uh, you know, her... her um, uh, her garden uh, and you know the, the, how oh. she went about constructing it and yeah, all um, the food so that she grows. Uh, yeah, and what what she grows and why and you know maybe some of her favourite plants and, and right. that sort of thing. So that's called the botanical banquet. And the last Thursday looks really quite amazing. It's called um, that's the twenty fifth of May. Healing and medicine using indigenous plants and knowledge. Um, and this is some First Nations folks from the Sydney Botanic Garden. Uh, and um, uh, people from Wellington across the ditch um, talking about the sort of the well, indigenous knowledge, indigenous healing um, through, um, through through plant use. So sort of an ethnobotanical exploration of um, of uh, uh, you know, different healing plants across. The focus predominantly on Wellington uh, and the flora in and around Wellington, New Zealand, uh, and the flora in and around the. the um, Sydney, Sydney Sandstone uh, area. So it's, they go for about 45 minutes. They're um, uh, really informal, really um, informative. Mm. Um, and, oh boy, geez, cost us a, a, a generous seller in his time. Um, you know, he's putting aside an hour, hour and a half by the time you get the green room and all of that going uh, every Thursday through throughout May. Yeah, he's been a great ban- a great ambassador for Botanic Gardens Month and Botanic Gardens Day. Yeah, didn't he just? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the last uh, Botanic Gardens Day is the last Sunday in May. I think that's the twenty ninth. Um, and there's uh, going to be a bunch of folks heading into the three CR studios to have a, yeah, will a, be. a, a, a Botanic Gardens Day. Um, uh, Bonanza Extravaganza <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, you're coming again, in I think Claire's coming in that day Yeah, Claire Hart from the Yeah, yeah um, uh, Yeah, it should be, should be And Tex, I think Tex was slated yes. to come in as well Tex from um, the Danville Rangers And, and again, we, we've, uh, we're going to ask people to sort of Well, um, tee up a few external people to call in from um, all over Australia and, and New Zealand to talk about their botanic garden experiences. Yeah. Uh, and again, Costa Costa's going to be up in Mackay, um, and he'll he's going to phone in at some stage um, during the during the during the show on the 29th. So he's worked it out. He went north last year as well. Yeah. I think he was at Cairns last year yes, was, <laughs> and went right. down in <laughs> Melbourne in May. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and uh, just if I've just got a few more minutes, um, Chloe, there, yep. there is um, this uh, Baganza is also hosting something called uh, the Botanic Gardens uh, Day Month um, Sea Soul Challenge, um, and that's inviting people from botanic gardens or you know, just uh, general plant loving members of the, the of the public to upload um, some videos onto the um, plat- social media social media platform of choice. 
um, sort of 45-second to 60-second um, uh, videos about your favourite plant or a little story in your garden. Um, uh, and um, the all you have to do... And it, in fact, you could go to the Big Ants website and have a look at the, at the, the, the sort of the style of, of these uh, plant challenge videos. Um, uh, and to post a video, video, you just go to your favourite social media challenge and um, type in hashtag plant challenge or hashtag botanic gardens day, yep. um, hashtag love seesaw, um, uh, and there are prizes um, for this weekly five prizes, and then there's a prize at the end for the most entertaining, the most inspiring, the most insightful um, uh, um, plant challenge video. Oh, ripper! And and perhaps Chloe, I could I could um, send some information through to uh, to to Lizzie, and she could yes post something on the three CR socials. Definitely do that. Well, yeah, we're planning to celebrate Botanic Gardens Day at the end of the month, and if you've got some stuff, please send it through to Lizzie so that listeners can get involved in those competitions, and also um, find uh, if they've couldn't write it down or remember what we've spoken about today, find the links for where those webinars exactly. are. Yep. The Began's YouTube channel is where I've gone. I missed oh, yeah. the webinar the other night and I do want to catch up. I usually go to the Began's YouTube channel. YouTube channel, yeah, beaut. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, um, how can people get onto these webinars? Um, it, it, it's, uh, it's going onto uh, either the Began's Facebook page or socials yeah. at 7 p.m. on a Thursday night, yeah. or to Costas um, socials, uh, and it's a it's a live Costas actually producing it, so it's a live okay. stream out of out of um, out of Costas uh, Costas laptop yeah. wherever he might be <laughs> on any given Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, jump onto either the Big Ants um, uh, socials or. Costas socials yeah. just before seven o'clock on a on a Thursday throughout um, uh, throughout May, uh, and it just pops into a in, into a live stream. Great. So there's no link or anything like that. It's just yeah. jumping on. Yeah, like, cool. Uh, and and on the on the Botanic Gardens Day itself, what are some of the? Are there any events that that Botanic Gardens in the cities and in regional areas are hosting? How can people find out about that? Yeah, sure. The, uh, again, on the. The, the Big Ends website, but yeah. maybe we should make that a, um, a sort of a, a bit of a feature of Sunday Show It, um, cracking open the the list of uh, what what are happening in Victorian gardens at the very least. Um, Absolutely, and, yeah. And inviting people to get out and get amongst it. Yeah. Um, so at Cranbourne Gardens, we've got uh, Russell Lark, who's in a uh, secondment role at the moment uh, called Conservation Horticulturist mm. um, and he's going to be running a, a sort of a behind the scenes tour uh, of our, our, our nursery and talking about the role of conservation horticulture at the um, at the Cranbourne Gardens and uh, yeah lots and I know John Bentley and co at, at Melton Botanic Gardens have got quite a program on um, on Botanic Gardens yeah, Day so individual gardens, individual gardens do their Individual things and yeah, right. Um, you know, it's all it's all it's organised sort of globally in terms of the promotion and um, the botanic gardens month. Uh, ideas are big and thing, but individual gardens just crack on and do their thing. Yep, fantastic. 
it is, yeah, it, it's something that we do need to support, regional botanic gardens, particularly the smaller ones, but also the big the big city ones like Cranbourne and Melbourne and, you know, up in Sydney and Brisbane, Adelaide. So, yeah. Yeah, if you if you're in regional Victoria or you're a little bit further out from the cities, um, find out and you've got a local botanic gardens near you. Find out how they're involved in botanic gardens month and botanic gardens day because most of them do get involved. Yep. yep. Uh, and and run something or host something or sort of plant sales and tours and yeah. Um, you know, uh, some gardeners you know, bring in some music and. Um, yeah, there's a whole range of uh, different approaches. It might just be worth mentioning now, given that you mentioned regional gardens, that um, this coming Wednesday, the 10th of May, um, the Gagaro Botanic Garden um, is opening. To, 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 well, it's been open for a while, but it's the official launch oh, of, great. The, uh, of the Gagaro Botanic Gardens. Now, that this is just the most remote, remarkable um, uh story project. Um, Kagaro, it's a community of 190 people, um, about 25 k's to the uh, to the west of, of Shepparton. Um, it, 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 it was, uh, it had a big Heinz canning factory um, there, which, which shut down, and Heinz wanted to make a contribution to the community that had served um, the company for so very long, and um, basically put some seed funding up for a, a community project. Um, that was back in 2012. Uh, the idea was to turn a paddock in the sort of the main drag of Gagari, which is not that big, um, into, a, into a botanic garden. And we had a fellow called Doc McDonald, Alpha McDonald, um, approach the Cranbourne Gardens 12 years ago to say, how would we go about building a <laughs> botanic garden from scratch? Yeah, um, and we were so we've been sort of assisting and assisting them with you know, ideas and <clears throat> you, know, you know maybe some of the do's and don'ts and what we've learned with the Australian garden. Um, but the the remarkable thing it's a it's a Taylor Colsey Leslie designed botanic gardens and TCL are the people that designed the Australian garden. So it's a really contemporary, very very beautiful, quite complex. Um, uh, um, garden. There's an amphitheatre and a sound shell. They've got a, a nursery and a cafe. Um, now, this is a community which is punching way above its weight. Yeah. It's an extraordinary story. Um, we, 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 years and years and years ago, there was a began's committee, and, and we um, were invited to go and you know, have a look at the site when it was just a paddock. And we went in, not sceptical, but we went in thinking, oh, geez, this is going to be tough for this, for this tiny little community to build a botanic garden. Um, we, when we arrived on site, there were 25 people there. I don't know, 15, 18% of the community had rolled up um, to, to, to meet um, the, the Begans Committee and talk about the project. We, let, we, we went in, not sceptical, but just, you know, just thinking, oh, it's a challenge. Yeah. We left the site thinking, there is no doubt that this community is going to pull this off. Yeah, they'll do it. Yeah, They'll do this. It's a massive um, project for a tiny, tiny town that could have become a ghost town. How, exactly. How big exactly. was the paddock, John? Uh, it, it, it would be five or six hectares. Oh, mm. big paddock. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah like a decent-sized paddock. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, it'd be five or six hectares in, 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 that, in that order. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's a it's a beautiful bit of bit of landscape architecture and um, uh, you know some really interesting plantings. It's um, it's sort of very much of the the northern plains and depicting sort of the agriculture, the agricultural roots, the horticultural roots of um, uh, you know of that part of of the world. So it's very much um, a garden which is designed to represent the region and the site and the history of the site. It's a, it's a beauty. Yeah, fantastic. <coughs> Yeah, it's a beauty. Yeah, that's that's exciting for the big grand opening. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things to do up in to do in regional Victoria. The silos tour is, you know, there's a few different silo tours, but also regional botanic gardens. But going up to Gergaro, and there's, I know this, it'd be a perfect weekend up that yeah. way to do the silos and stop by Gergaro as well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, for uh, sure. And support um, the regions so, uh, again. It's it's probably worth. Um, Listeners, if, if, if they've got some time or are interested in finding out more about the Gagaro Botanic Gardens, it's, they've got a fantastic website, website that kind of captures the essence of the, um, of the design and the, tells the story of the, of, of the garden. But, you know, hats off to the community. Yeah. It's funny, the, the township is called Gagari, um, but the Botanic Garden is called Gagaro, which is the traditional... Um, name for, 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 for that reason. So can that can you just spell that out so that people know what to yeah. look for? G-A-R-G-A-R-R-O. Yep. Gargaro. Gargaro. And the town is Gargari, so instead of having O, it's two E's at the end. Yeah, all right. Gargari. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling up, John, and letting us know what's happening with Botanic Gardens Month. It's turned from a day to a month, but definitely <laughs> worth it. And the webinar, the webinars last year were absolutely fantastic. I was hooked on them. They're good, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and and this year you've got a really good lineup of of topics, some really you know, and some in depth conversation with some people that really know their stuff. So yeah, um, so every Thursday well night, done to you guys. Every Thursday night, seven pm, Crofters uh, socials or or begans, and there's a a live link. Ripper. Um, and, um, and yeah, then I'll, you'll be I'll, in on the 28th or 29th, the yep. last Sunday in May. Certainly will. And I'll um, bundle up a bit of info and um, send it through to, to, to Liz. Because, to, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot on. Yep, that'd be great. A lot to take in. Beauty. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for calling in, John, and no worries, letting us know what's show. happening. It's going really good. Yeah, it's thanks great. very much. Cheers. Okay. Bye. See ya. All right, it's 9 o'clock. We're here for another 15 minutes. Uh, if you want to ask us any questions, either jump on air or via the text line. So to jump on air, call 94190155. If you want to send us a text message, the number is 0488809855. For anyone that is that has a question but they're listening to the podcast later on, uh, or you want to send us some photos, the best way to do that is via email, gardening at 3cr.org.au. We often put out two different email addresses. They all go to the same inbox in case anyone's wondering. (laughs) All right. Uh, Craig, I'm going to ask you what I asked Kevin before. What's happening in your garden at the moment? Leaf cleanup. Yeah. I, I never really truly understood the term fall until I moved to Alinda. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> now I know it. Yeah, it's about a three-month job. Wow. Yeah. Rake, blower? Both. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's you, you formerly formerly with... just a rake, but you know these days in my old age, the, <laughs> drag the blower yeah. out. Really, the blowers are the spawn of the devil. <laughs> noisy, awful things, but they yeah, are. convenient. How, how do you deal with the leaf waste? Straight onto the garden. Beautiful. Yeah, and then and then when the leaf when the leaf drops finished and it's all cleaned up, then I put a little bit of wood chip on top of them to hold them down. Mm. Yeah. You go thick with the mulch, don't you? Like you wouldn't believe. And do you do that? Do you do that annually? All the time. It's not just annually. It's a constant process. Do you chip your own, or do you? Do you have no. I have an arborist. Drop off ex- yeah, excess. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how long does? Because a lot of people are afraid of green mulch. How no, long does straight it, off the truck sometimes. Yeah, I've done the same thing. Yeah, green yeah. and steaming. Yeah. No issue. No, I've never had an issue yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. But you read Every- the textbooks. And it'll tell you not to spread it. Everything that people tell you about wood chip is nonsense, except me. I'll tell you what it's like. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard me say that. Yeah. Yeah. So how? Yeah, you would. You are surrounded by a lot of trees on your own property, but also there's a hell of a lot of trees in the property surrounding you. Yeah. I mean, I well. have on my property five big beech. Yeah. A big liquid amber, a big pin oak, and then various. Smaller deciduous trees, mm. palmate and maples and magnolia. Yeah, mm. it's a lot of leaves. A lot of leaves. Yeah, I, think, I reckon. Yeah. Do you find that are there some that you don't? You put everything in the garden. Are there some that you don't like putting onto the garden because they take too long to break down or they just don't create good leaf litter? No, I probably would have executed them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the beach is the best. Yeah. Yeah, it, it surpasses oak. Yeah. In terms of leaf litter. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. The oaks take a long time, don't they, to break down? They do, yeah. 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 But, yeah, that's what I'm doing, mm. yeah, is, is cleaning up leaves for yeah for some time. How big's your property? Acre and a quarter. That's a lot of – yeah, that's a fair bit of land you've got to look after. Yeah, this is – I mean, it's under control. This is just an annual thing. It's yeah. every year. And, and really, it's a bounty. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's free organic matter, all that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and yeah. beautiful. Mm. Couldn't be better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I love it when um in my old place I had big big old camellias mm-hmm. and the flowers mm-hmm. make the mm. best compost. Yeah, they turn into this rich black. Yeah, uh, organic matter. I used to mm. love it. Coming back to the wood chip, the probably the bulk of what I use would be mountain ash because that's what. Mm. People are clearing oh, or that's taking like the, branches. That's the best wood chip. You get yeah. the cream, the premium stuff. <laughs> they last forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and some people say, you know, the, the grades of the wood chip tend to vary depending on the mulcher they're using. Yeah. And some people don't like the coarse stuff, but don't, I don't care. I don't care either. It's And it's a conversation I have a lot in classes. People... Uh, students sort of want to know that like, we class on mulch and we'll talk about all the different types, but yeah. any mulch is good mulch. Any mulch is good, any mulch. Mulch, is good yeah. mulch. Unless yep. it's something that's severely diseased. like Or orange. Yeah. <laughs> orange is in spray paint, like yeah, coloured. Oh, yeah. d- let's not get started on the bloody coloured mulches. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. they're awful. They're awful. But look, yeah, 
just do it. Just get it and put it down. I yeah. mean, and I have a number of customers who've come in and obviously over the years listen to me and they say that they can't believe the transformation in their garden. Yeah. 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 From using wood chip. Yeah. Well, it just saves so much work too, doesn't it, with yeah. the weeding and That's right. oh, the watering. Yeah. Weeding is almost non-existent. Yeah. I mean, mm. I pull the odd one up every now and again. but yeah. Where you are, obviously the thickness would work because it's wetter and the, it probably breaks down a bit quicker in a drier area. I'd put it on thicker. But it might take longer to break down if it's not being rained on yeah. as much. But is that an issue? Or? Well, no, you might not need to apply it as often. Probably not. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what I'm thinking about application yeah. times. Yeah. Is it, if it's not getting as wet as, as what it would up at the very top of the Dandenong Ranges yeah. where mm. you are, yeah. then you probably don't need to do it as as often as, as what you do that's if right, you're in a dry area. But don't skimp on it. No, you could still do it thick, yeah. but it and might the, be every two or three years. And the water works through okay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. have dry no, patches? No, never. And, and if you did... I mean, I don't know in a dry country. I've never, never, never really gardened there seriously. Mm. But if you did, then you just get onto it with a fork, loosen yeah. it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten minutes. Good exercise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of text messages have come in. The friends of Melbourne Botanic Gardens, uh, sorry, friends of Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne, are having a pre-loved book sale on the twenty-first. 20th and 21st of May. Uh, if you want more information, jump onto their website, rbgfriendsmelbourne.org. Uh, if you, the community announcements that have come through this morning, that's fantastic. If you are part of these groups, flick us an email um, before the show each week, uh, and then I can, gives me more time to research, but then we can all, we can put all these announcements out in the one go. The book sale, is, is that horticultural books only? Gardening or? books. Gardening yep. books. Yep. Gardening and horticultural books. Yep. So there's probably be some pretty good gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're usually being donated by Friends members um, and the funds all go towards the Friends of Melbourne Gardens for projects to support the Melbourne Gardens and mm. keep the keep the group running. Uh, Kevin, a bit of a curly question for you, or maybe not curly, uh, someone is wondering why the Greenery Nursery closes at 12 noon on Wednesdays. <laughs> we get a lot of people asking that. It gives us um, a chance to do uh, lots of other things. Uh, we tend to have um, uh, a lot of work to do around the place and we normally wouldn't have any other time to do it. So it, 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 it works well for us to close um, on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, it seems a bit crazy, I guess, because you expect a lot of stores to be open every day, all day. Mm. But um, we're open seven days a week, so it just gives us the opportunity to be able to do other things that we might not have yeah. otherwise be able to do. Have uh, a clean-up. Yeah. Clean-up, you yeah. know, there's a major merchandising um, projects happening. Yep. Um, at the moment, we've got a, a big sale on. Uh, we're doing renovations in-store in and... Uh, uh, it just gives us opportunities to do those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah, beautiful. Good answer. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a text message has come in from a listener. We've got time for it. Long Acres yeah. wants to hear more about it. You've it was, been involved with Long Acres for quite a while, haven't you? In excess of 20 years, yeah. 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 It, 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 it's the garden that was planted by Streeton in the 19, 1920s. Um, and he built the house around the same time. For people that don't know, who is was Arthur Streeton? Yeah, he's a impressionist painter from the Heidelberg School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very famous. 
in, our, in Australian art circles yep. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's the only Australian artist that's at the London Museum. Oh, right. Represented at the London Museum, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, it's six acres. used to be 12. Uh, six acres was carved off by his son Oliver and, and sold off, yeah. which is probably a bit of a relief, really. Yeah. <laughs> six acres is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Are you the main gardener there or is there other people that work there? Uh, for 18 months we've had a younger guy, but before that it was only me. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it was getting – well, I, I wasn't pushing ahead. Like by the time you did the lawns and the driveways and all of that, there was no time to improve. Yeah. Mm. So now we've got a guy to do that and I improve. And is it a good <laughs> – And mulch. It, yeah, yeah, and mulch. Is it – when is it open to the public? It, it, it was opened once by Roger Streeton yep. um, and he was so inundated by people that it scared him off. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to get Julie around to that, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but at the moment it's a private garden. Okay. Yeah. What? Tell me about the plant palette. A lot of American native trees because um, Streeton's wife was American and he planted them to try and lure her up there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fantastic forest of Douglas firs. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, and he planted them for um, ship masts to be harvested for ship masts. Okay. And then ship masts ceased to exist, <laughs> <laughs> but the firs didn't. Yeah. Yeah, and we Roger and I cleaned them. We couldn't even walk in there when he bought the place. Roger was Streeton's grandson. What do you mean you cleaned them? Was well, we, we cleaned them. It was leaf? full of ivy and holly oh. and sycamore, and you couldn't even move. It was an impenetrable jungle. Mm. And we've cleaned it out, and I'm gradually planting an understory of tree ferns. Yeah. Our Dixonia Antarctica yeah. tree ferns, just the local ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What are, are there any sort of the American shrubs like cornus, dogwoods? Not a lot of, of dogwoods. There is the most incredible um, pseudo acacia. What's come on, Craig? I'm on the spot now. Robinia. Oh, they are phenomenal. I have never looked at Rabinia and thought, this is a tree that's beautiful. Yeah. But these old Rabinias with the thick pink, corky bark. The pink flowering one. Yeah, I've never pink. seen them flower, never but seen. thick oh. corky bark they, and, yeah. and, and, and incredible movement. You know, it's not a straight section in them. Mm. Yeah. Um, Tilia Americana, yeah, Pinus ponderosa. Yeah. Yeah. What's the common name of the Tilia? Jul- uh, Linden. 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 Yeah, yes. but it's the American one, so a big, bigger leaf. Okay. Yeah, and there's also a lot of Tilia cordata, the European lindens. Yeah. 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 Unusual palette of trees, not what you'd expect from an early 20th century garden. And is that because of the Streeton selecting the plants That's right. that his wife would have been familiar yeah. with. Yeah. So what would have usually been planted around that time? Weeping beech, yeah. cedars, yeah. weeping maples, yeah. uh, things that are a little bit odd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also planted native trees. There's a couple of phenomenal Banksia and Tegrafolia down the back. They are huge. Right. Yeah. Uh, you were on Gardening Australia with Long Acres. That's right. Was it about a year ago? Yeah, probably. It was, was hydrangea season, so it would have been summer. Yeah. Two years ago, I reckon. Yeah, so if anyone's wanting to sort of get a visual of what we're talking about, yeah. I can't remember, I don't know whether you remember the name of the segment, but it would be on, if you type in Long Acres Gardening Australia into a YouTube search, yeah. uh, the video 
uh, the story would, would come up and you can get a, a bit of a visual on yeah. what Longacres looks like. And hopefully you can convince oh, look, them to open, to open it up we're trying to get Julie to day. open it, yeah. 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 Julie's been bringing out the women judges from Afghanistan yeah, because, you know, they're being persecuted by yeah. the Taliban. So we're trying to get her to open for, using that as, as a, a leverage. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, 3CR will be behind it whenever it happens. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Oh, it, there's no doubt we'll get people. Yeah. yeah it's just a matter of getting it organised and convincing her that it, it, it can be done. Is it sort of in a state at the moment that we, you know, within oh, the next... Oh, superb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if you're there quite regularly and if there's a new, you've yeah. got a new gardener that's there as yeah. well. And the back section of the garden is not heavily treed, so we've got a lot of borders and things down there. So mm. it, it late summer, it's you know with the dahlias and salvias, everything is is controlled by deer. What we can mm. plant, yeah. so it's a really <laughs> limited palette. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they don't eat dahlias. Yeah, <laughs> don't, like, don't like the taste. Don't Sur- like them and salvias. It's surprising that they don't eat dahlias. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, right. Yeah. Emmeline was saying last week that Salvia leucantha, she's found that the deers leave alone. All the salvias. Yeah, all the, the salvias, yeah, right. Yeah. Must be, yeah. yeah, all the aromats in there. Yeah, that's right. Too much flavour. Yeah, Lemiaceae is pretty safe, actually, as a rule, okay. with, with the deer. Yeah. Well, that's the good to know. The whole family. Yeah. I yeah. wonder why that is. Um, pungent flavour. Uh, but then again, you have the Cranesbill geraniums. They eat those. Some yeah. do that. Some they do. Some they don't. Mm. Not the whole whole lot. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've just started conversation, but it's come to the end of the show. <laughs> we need another hour to keep doing about long acres. Um, thank you both for coming in this morning, uh, Craig Wilson and Kevin Parker. Thank you for joining me. Doug and Matt, thanks for producing the show, keeping me in line. Appreciate it. Liz, who does the socials, and Karina for our podcast. Thanks to everyone. Have a lovely Sunday. Stay warm, and we'll be back again at 7.30 next week. See you later. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.